0: And I'm learning. I'm learning new ways, and so uh, I, I think it's it's an important point to notice what words you use that will support your continued unfolding. Very, very good point.
1: I'd like to dovetail on that
2: too. That. This particular point of teaching and awareness is probably the razor's edge of our conscious journey of dealing with 3D (laughs) reality on earth because you know, everything you bring from any way you coped as a child, any way to just deal with the sheer anxiety, the sheer, you know, overwhelm of just staying present or trying to be present. Um, the journey to self-compassion is a huge gateway amidst doing the behaviors that are just, oh my God, this is just how I'm coping. Mm -hmm. Um, So I appreciate that this the fine-tuned distinction there, and ultimately, just to name it, yes, Mm -hmm. it is self-destructive, however. Mm -hmm. And, oh my goodness, dear one, you know, just because I I don't know, I can say for myself, the journey to being so compassionate and loving around my own coping behaviors that, yeah, have been and continue to be self-destructive when I'm doing them. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate just that we're really, you know, that just shift of that act of will, Mm -hmm. that act of internal spiritual strength to truly get back off that edge and and then as a spiritual practice, build the muscle and expand the resiliency zone is truly the work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Something that, that occurs to me around this that uh, um, that I like to communicate when I teach that the Awakening Joy course is uh, we, we all want to be happy. Anybody here who doesn't want to be happy? And if you think, and even the people who aren't usually uh, smiley, smiley kind of people and feel like saying, Yeah, I like being grumpy sometimes. That's just your way of being happy. (laughs) But when you think about it, everything that you do is sourced in the fact that it's motivated, and you check this out for yourself, because. There's a part of you that says, this will make me feel a little bit better or make me feel a little less bad. So that's where you're coming from in everything you do, even if it's coping mechanisms that don't serve you. But there's a place inside of you, deep inside, that is really rooting for your happiness all the time even if it gets confused and gets into uh, behaviors that lead you someplace else. So this is really about getting in touch and acknowledging that place inside of you that is truly rooting for your well-being and seeing where well-being truly lies and activating that. Um, But it starts, actually, it's a very important thing to see even if... The word happiness turns you off, or it seems sappy, or whatever whether you call it joy, or contentment, or ease, or whatever on the spectrum. You there is that source in you that truly wants well being, and it's great to it's important to own that and say, Yeah, I, I really do want to go for that. Okay, where. Where can it be found? What will support that?
3: Let me also say that I think that 's why we adopt those patterns that we 're trying to sort of uh, suppress, ignore, disassociate from those distressing feelings to find a better sense of well being and the question is, is this really helping or not, uh, and just being clear when it 's not helping in that sense but it 's also important to have a tremendous amount of self compassion when you when you find that you 're Uh, as you were suggesting, when you find that you might be adopting or using patterns that are are harming you in some way, uh, we'll we'll go through an exercise I think later today, and we sort of did one yesterday similar to that, just to tell yourself that uh, you were okay. You you were trying to do the best you could with the information you had, the skills you had at the moment, um, and just give yourself that sort of self-compassion, et cetera, and then say, and... Now I notice that this probably is not that good for me. There are other paths. So just have that compassion for yourself when you notice that you're doing that. We all do it. It's a natural human reaction to try to deal with the traumas and stresses in our lives mm-hmm. and just notice which help you and which don't. Which adva- you know, puts you in a place you'd like to be or move you in that direction and which don't.
1: Um, On the
4: larger societal level, like you were talking about yesterday, I find it hopeful that they're um, taking out the disorder part of PTSD. It's not PTSD anymore. Uh, It's not a disorder. It's something that happens. It may not serve us, but it's not being pathologized Mm -hmm. and stigmatized so much. And I think that's a hopeful... There's a lot of research about trauma going on. Right. Uh, So
1: just wanted
5: to point that out. Thank you. Either one? Great points about language and communication. Um, to your point, I was thinking a lot last night about uh, the different language and thinking about how to bring this to my family and my kids and community and how you know, the term trauma I don't think would resonate with them, so I was just thinking about different ways to, to communicate some of these, these ideas. Um, and... Uh, to your point, James, you know, sometimes the words get in the way, you know, Mm -hmm. in my practice, the the term loving kindness was kind of a barrier to me. I wasn't feeling that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which said a lot about my feelings about myself, I realized. And so unpacking that, uh, you know, as part of the journey. So, uh, uh, the other thing that I noticed different topic is I was going through the, the handout and looking at the stuff last night over dinner and, and, uh, afterwards, uh, I was really getting into it, but as I got towards the end, towards the part about where it gets to being involved, rejoining the community, and taking action was when I felt my resistance rise, and the avoidance start to come up, like, I don't know about that, I don't know if I can make that happen, and so I just acknowledged that, and and then... Put it away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank
3: you.
0: I I remember um, once, when I first was practicing, uh, this wonderful teacher said, you know, if the word loving-kindness seems like too lofty and noble uh, uh, a quality, just call it kindness. Just basic kindness. Or goodwill. You know, words have tremendous power and we can resist... Even if it's something that 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 we yearn for, so use whatever words work for you.
3: And also, I think you it, you make, raise a very important point that you you do you take the next step or engage in things when you're ready, when it feels right. Uh, you don't all have to go out and join another group to do something. It's just you know wh- be where you're at and just notice it. That's all. You know, be okay with that. So. Uh, Uh, It's not all about all of us becoming activists suddenly. Thank you. Don in the back.
6: I uh, woke up this morning thinking, what a difference a day makes. Um, I think the the psychological, spiritual perspective that you guys have been laying out is amazingly helpful to me. I've I've been a therapist for thirty five years. And I have not really appreciated how how ubiquitous trauma is, you know, and and how normal it is, and or it's a normal reaction to abnormal circumstances. Although I guess even the circumstances really aren't that abnormal. I mean, it's just how it is. And uh, but but uh, but I I feel like I have a framework for understanding what I've been going through since the election, mm-hmm. and I I really feel today less reactive to to it and to the bad people on the other side of the fence. <laughs> um, and um, uh, that's very helpful. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's it, 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 it feels like I'm being reminded of something that, yeah, I've been taught this, you know, but I need to learn it and relearn it and relearn it. And uh, I'm just really happy to be here right
3: now. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you.
0: And one of the things... One of the uh, amazing gifts in practice is when you see your thoughts and see how they might be coloring your reality and just a little tweak of a thought and shifting, an, uh, shifting your perspective on exactly the same reality but you're relating to it in a, with a bit more uh, openness and understanding changes everything even if the circumstances are are the same how you hold it you know will determine your own well-being and level of um, being motivated to participate or uh, or the, the the love that wants to come out of you just just changing your you're thinking about something, or your perspective on, so, or opening up to another perspective. Even if you you you're staying with your perspective, but just seeing, oh, here's another way to hold it. It's amazing how tweaking the thought can change it all.
3: Let me follow up one other thing, on, and thank you for that comment. Um, that to put it into a social context, that I I work with a number of communities large communities that have actually had all sorts of problems within the community, violence, problems in schools, um, uh, sexual violence, interpersonal violence, crime, and they've looked around and after a a good deal of discovery and thinking, they realized that the core issue was trauma uh, within the entire community. That's what was driving all of these particular behaviors and activities. And the reaction from those who... Deal with the trauma. So the police would become more aggressive, uh, et cetera. And you had this, the thing we talked about last night, that, uh, that systematic aggre- uh, uh, feedback loops happening. And when they first, when they just changed their, 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 their way they thought about it, that that's what was happening, the question shifted from what's wrong with these people to what's happened to people. What's wrong with everybody? to what's happened, what have they experienced. And it changed the entire way leaders and many others in the community think and respond to the issues and created very exciting programs. We'll talk more about that tomorrow, but one's called Peace for Tarpon in Tarpon Springs, Florida. Uh, Creating Sanctuary in the Dalles, a program we've been involved with up in the Dalles, a rural community in Oregon that got the collective traumas and individual traumas that people were thinking and opened themselves up to a new way of thinking about things. And it has completely changed the community. Mm. Um, to the extent that, I'll, again I'll say more about this later, but it, last year a, a magazine came out and ranked the Dalles Oregon as one of the three best communities to live in in Oregon. And you could have knocked everyone in the Dalles and everywhere else in Oregon over with a feather to think that that was possible five and six years before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is it is that changing that thinking, that awareness, and then being aware of the perva- pervasiveness and effects of trauma really has a profound, mm-hmm. can have a profound change. Mm-hmm. Hold
0: on. Sally, right? No, Sandy. Oh. Okay. You got the answer. Good
7: morning. Good um, morning. It seemed like when you went through the growth zone, this, this mm-hmm. particular thing, that it felt like I really got it and I could personally um, recall experiences of being in the high and the low. And then when I woke up this morning, I realized that I don't know in the moment where I am. And it also seemed like these these lists of um, characteristics didn't don't seem quite as discreet now as they did yesterday. Mm-hmm. They feel like there's intermingling. Like I was thinking, well, um, anger can feel isolating, mm-hmm. and so that kind of slips from one to the other at the mm-hmm. same time. So I wasn't sure if that meant that these were like guidelines and each of us are going right. to see our high is going to be this set of characteristics, but probably not always. Right. Um, so that was kind of, you know, my general, I don't, I got it, now I don't
3: get it. Right. Thank you very much. Good questions. Um, yeah, there's sort of general guidelines and what's not in the diagram it, 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 is that actually we often bounce back and forth between high and low, uh, you know, that being high, being, you know, all uh, ramped up causes us then to retreat um, uh, sometimes, you know, because right. it's too much for us. So it, it really, and it really is sort of you look at it and, and try to find out how do you respond when you're outside and stuck outside. That's the real key. Your resilient growth zone, as we call it. Which really means just outside of the areas in which, the zone in which you can uh, sort of calm your nervous system, calm your thoughts, calm your body. It's the body-mind, uh, which is these skills we'll get into. And then sort of begin to make wise, wiser and skillful decisions. How should I respond? What should I be doing? et That's the resilient growth zone, where you can make those. And when you're really stuck up high or stuck down low, and you might be bouncing back and forth, or your high might look different than other people's high, um, that we don't do that. You know, we do these, we, we often adopt behaviors that don't turn out to be very good for us, or we harm others, uh, or we do both. Right, because it came up
7: in one of the shares that it seemed like in my behavior, sometimes I would, like, recognize the one, and correcting it overshot me into the other.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
7: and I guess that's the the cycle <laughs> right. you're talking right. about. But and just felt like that, yeah, I could I could re, re, recall mm-hmm. the actual
3: mm-hmm.
7: experience of that.
3: Right, and okay. and the the key is just to try to notice that that's what happens with right. That.
7: Okay, thank
8: you.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
8: I wonder how much of the time our coping mechanisms that sometimes turn self destructive are based on for, uh, attempted forms of escape. That is, that uh, so much of what we do in response to trauma is an effort to escape from it sure. that ends up being its own form of Absolutely. destruction, whether that be towards drugs or uh, it could be towards uh, blame towards others or it could be towards blame towards oneself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um It could be towards aggressiveness in a a political realm, any kind of form of escape. And it strikes me that one thing that makes the Dharma the best, one of the better forms of therapy for that, is that it is precisely not an escape. Mm -hmm. It's precisely dwelling within the moment and not trying at all to escape. Mm -hmm. In other words, that there's no way around, the only way around is through. And the amazing thing, I remember once when I was in the deep woods uh, in British Columbia, and I gave myself the impossible assignment of following the, what the Buddha had done, and I said, I'm going to sit down and not get up until I'm enlightened, which was...
0: <laughs> All right.
8: <laughs> <laughs> and um, the first thing that happened is that a sense of terrible dread welled up and that voice inside which in my case was a critical old man uh, became a voice not just inside my head but out in the universe impossible to escape and I ran through the woods trying to escape it it was the most terrorizing moment of my life and eventually trying to I even tried to call other people to who might be able to help couldn't get through to them and eventually i headed back to the cushion and the terror was greatest right at that moment when i saw that the only thing i could do was to sit down again but once i sat down the terror just started to come down again and then uh, you know kind of a light came precisely in not trying to escape mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: Thank you. That's sometimes um, one of the gifts within fear and terror. That often it breaks you wide open, and if there, if somehow you're able to either open up to it, or you have no choice but to go through it and survive it. Often, that's a turning point in people's lives was for me how many people in their encounter with fear learned something profound about themselves look at that that's that's how it works so when you're in the middle of of that or you're going into that place you're saying oh my goodness if this is, must be some terrible mistake the universe is conspiring against me <clears throat> You don't know. It can be there's the gift for you that will break you open to a place that you didn't know was possible. That's often exactly how. The thing is then to remember the next time you're in fear or the next time things are crumbling around you and instead of thinking, this is some terrible... Where is the lesson in here? This is where that purposing comes in. Where, where is the lesson here? And you get more and more confidence and courage to see, oh, okay, this too, you know, when, when you take refuge in the Dharma, you're, for me, it's taking refuge that life is giving you what you need to wake up in every moment. It's even and especially the tough ones, the toughest ones.
2: Yeah, directly onto that, the taking refuge is the moments in my life when I've hit a place of such it, terror, overwhelm. The moment and the key and the taking refuge is, oh my God, please help me. And the surrender. Mm-hmm. And something, there's grace that mm-hmm. comes in, the ex- human experience yeah. of oh, this sweet, amazing grace, mm-hmm. the blessed grace.
0: Yeah. When you say you get to that point, where you say, "I yeah. give up." I you give know it. that place. I, I right. give up. That Help. Place. Nothing less. than it's <laughs> I, the ego, yeah. is surrendering. Yeah. I give up. Ah, and there's life. If you can open to it, that's here to support you. It's a very profound moment. Yeah. You give up the I. Or the I has, is has given up, has let go. Yeah. Maybe we should.
3: Yeah. Any other final comments? I want to go on? One last one. Carrie.
9: Mm-hmm. Um, so just going off what Mark was saying, I was kind of reflecting on my own like self-destructive behaviors and realizing that it's hard for me to recognize them sometimes. Like. Drugs or alcohol seem like I can just put a label that's self-destructive. But for me, I like to go running, um, but I see that as an escape sometimes. So I guess, Hmm. yeah, what I'm wondering is kind of like, how do I know if I'm running from like a spot of this is healthy activity or
10: Hmm.
9: I'm really angry and like going on a run will give me some endorphins and... Um. Yeah, kind of put me in a happier place momentarily, but then these feelings of anger or depression kind of start okay. coming back in.
3: Right. Thank you very much yeah. for sharing that. Uh, anybody else feel that way? Hard to know what uh, you know what, what's good and bad. Yeah, that's very common. Uh, and you know, trying to deal with things in that way makes. A lot of sense. And the, fa- and the fact, we, we talk about dissociation. Dissociatus is very helpful for folks when they sort of wall things off temporarily, sort of just be, be, give ourselves time to get ourselves together to, to, to deal with it. So it might be running is really, really helpful uh, for you. The question is, if it goes on for a long period of time, how does that feel? How, what's your reaction? Is that then helpful or not? Mm-hmm. And that's just an internal question you have to answer yourself. At least that's how I see it. That it's Nothing we do alone is necessarily harmful. It might be very helpful in the near term. The question is, is it helpful or not in the long term? Are there other things you can do? How do you open to that experience and see what's happening?
0: And this is something that comes up in in retreats all the time you know you're you're wanting to find balance and sometimes uh the most skillful thing is to go have a cup of tea and sometimes it's not so skillful to have the fourth cup of tea for that (laughs) afternoon um or it can be okay i'm gonna stay on this cushion and just be here with it all and it can be the most uh, inspiring skillful thing or it can be working against you. I'm trying to be a samurai and and I'm gonna show my mind you know so it's not so much the act itself but um, the guideline that I use and in, uh, in, in share with people in meditation, first of all if you're out of balance, if you can't be with what's happening in a balanced way, if there's a struggle in your that seems to overwhelm the system, then it's very supportive to get enough space and enough balance so that you can, at some point, come come to, to terms with what's happening, and so running can be an absolutely skillful thing, but when you're able to to at some point say okay now let's feel this, if there's you want to have enough balance so that it's not overwhelming the system. And that really, for me, comes down to the to asking yourself the question, uh, what do I need right now? What will be most supportive of my showing up in a balanced way with this moment? Uh, and it might be going right towards, or it might be giving some space. And it's an ongoing exploration of what's really... Uh, your truth and and re- and learning
3: how to listen to that inside Thank you. One more thing, just because it, it it helps us get into the next part of the, the the morning here is that also learning some skills, learning some capacity to sort of notice and learn more and refine your ability to know when you're way outside your resilient growth zone, if you will, uh, and. Uh, how, how, and how is that helpful or not? You know, how, how can I move myself back in? And that's what, really what we're going to sort of focus on a little bit more now. I'd like to sort of read a poem maybe that sort of summarizes a lot of what we've heard. Uh, it's called Two, World, Two Wolves, a Cherokee Parable. Many of you might have heard this already. An old Cherokee chief was teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight. And it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, self-doubt, and ego. The other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence. Empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. This same fight is going inside you and inside every other person, the grandfather said. The grandson thought about it for a moment and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old chief simply replied, the one you feed. So well, let's figure out some ways to feed that side today. Um, let me start by uh, asking you, when I asked you to look at the colors around the room or look at the feel that uh, the chair, feel the warmth, any reactions to that? What? Anybody have anything pop up? And, and what happened when you noticed the colors, do you know, inside? You have a tour, yeah.
1: Thank you. Anybody else? Go ahead. Those, uh, Those practices immediately
11: bring me into my body. And it's very calming because all that busyness sort of stops. And um, I, I actually love doing that for that reason. So it was nice to have the invitation.
3: Thank you. Anyone else? So th- I think what, what you just described is exactly right. These are, these, we call these, these skills amp up or amp down to help you when you're outside, you know, when you're really uh, wigged out or dysregulated, as we call it in, in psychology, you know, outside that resilient growth zone. These are simple skills. We'll go back through so, or simple tools you can use and you can teach to others that uh, looking around at the colors gets you out of your head suddenly. You're now becoming aware of your context. Um, touching something, the the couch, whatever, your chair you're sitting on, puts you in touch with your physical sensations. Um, uh, and it's getting you out of just the thoughts going through your minds and po- placing you elsewhere. And it can be very um, calming. And what we're uh, trying to do, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but um, you know, we have this fear and alarm system, so to speak, the amygdala, and it's actually more than that, but in our brain that's sort of searching and, and sensing anything that we think is a threat or a risk to us. Um, and it triggers the sympathetic nervous system, which is the gas pedal for the body. Um, so our blood pressure goes up, and uh, our di- pupils dilate, etc., 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 and it gets us going. And it's when we don't have the ability, and that's natural. Uh, that's just fine. And sometimes it's really, really good. Some level of stress is good. Right, we get better at things. We learn, you know. When you got a pressure to take a test when you're in college or whatever, you get you you that way. So stress is not a bad thing all the time. It's our interpretation of it, how we respond to it, the way we perceive it, um, uh, and so. But uh, to to really stay within our resilient growth zone, to use that framework. What we're trying to do is um, to use the other part of our brain that we do not share. I said that we share the, uh, the fear and alarm set of the amygdala with most other mammals. But we also have something up here called the prefrontal cortex that really we don't share with most other mammals. It's unique, we think, to humans. Uh, and it's the thinking, the cognitive, the rational part of the brain. You could call it the executive center of the brain. And it can regulate but it cannot control the fear and alarm center. Uh, so what we're trying to do now is learn skills to regulate our sympathetic nervous system and activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the brake system of the body. Okay. So that sort of just brings us back into that balance, uh, and we're, that we we want, really want to enhance the capacity of our prefrontal cortex, so to speak, that the... Executive side, so it can then say, "Wait a second, is that a real threat or not you know i've seen that uh, i've seen that in myself come up every twenty minutes. I, you know this thought comes up, this reaction comes up no i've seen it before it's not real it's just some, somehow I just keep doing that, or oh boy, I' better pay attention to this one, but not in the way I did in the past i'm going to do it in a different way. whatever that pattern might be it's really training the capacity. Uh, uh, So what we're trying to do is, again, activate the parasympathetic nervous system, the brake system in the body, so that it can moderate the sympathetic nervous system. Having that kind of accelerator is not a bad thing. That's a very good thing for all of us and all humans. But it's when it is in control all the time and driving your thinking, behavior, reaction, that it becomes problematic. Um, So can't remember what I wrote here. But so what we're going to focus on now is what, what we've called, and, uh, but it's really just uh, presencing. And this is in your uh, handout here. The resilient growth model that, uh, and I was saying yesterday, we, when we first, on the climate change front, got uh, clear that we were missing an absolutely vital component of how to respond to climate change, and that is, what about us people? We were focused exclusively on these external physical factors, as most of the field still is. We said, well, what about the humans here? Um, how do we how do we help all of us uh, think about, engage, prepare for how to respond? So we gathered a team of uh, 12, uh, quote-unquote, experts, that is to say, uh, resiliency-building, mindfulness experts, uh, trauma treatment experts, and we asked them, how, how do we respond to this? Um, and... Uh, It was interesting, some of them had never even thought about climate change, but they were working in the field and didn't even know about it, so I mentioned her name yesterday. Elaine Miller-Karis runs the Trauma Resource Institute. Uh, She runs all around the world. Every time I talk to her, she's some other country, responding to another, helping people uh, calm themselves and begin to make uh, wise and skillful decisions after a big natural disaster. And she thought she was just a disaster response, a resi- disaster resiliency expert. And then she goes, I'm just dealing with climate change. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Because um, she was seeing those disasters go on around the world, and that, and so she was in Philip in the Philippines after the last big typhoon, and uh, on and on and on. So, uh, and Sandy Bloom's another one. Um, and by the way, Elaine Miller Harris has a great book out um, on her model, which is a somatic model. We're going to use some of that uh, in, today. Uh, also, another woman named Sandy Bloom who really created the sanctuary model, which is more focused on uh, organizations. But it, she was one of the leaders in creating the, the trauma-informed care movement. Um, she joined us and she said, I, climate change, what's that? I deal with social service programs and organizations and she immediately got it. She said, so we see this happening, the impacts of traumas and stresses in our organizations, but we just haven't connected it yet. So um, we brought these people together and out of this came this resilient growth model. I just sort of put what they're working on and how they they frame it into this model It's not uh, creating. So the first step is to to try to find ways to regulate the mind and the mind and body's fear and alarm center, those fear-based reactions. Uh, Just sort of activate the nervous system, deactivate the the nervous system, if you will. So we're in a spot where we can then make better, uh, wiser, skillful decisions. That's what we're going to focus on today, Uh, and then tomorrow we're going to presencing, which is really then okay now that I'm able to sort of make wiser and more skillful decisions, how do I find meaning? Purposing, you mean. Purposing, what, what did you I just say? You said presence. Um, um, listen to what I mean, not what I say. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, to, uh, to find meaning, direction, uh, and hope. And, and we don't mean just um, sort of an idealistic uh, vision, but really uh, be able to engage in a way that provides hope for folks. Uh, in the midst of ongoing adversities, which happen throughout our life, um, and find joy uh, and and be able to thrive as a result. We'll go into that tomorrow. There's three steps that the way we framed it, an overarching set of steps uh, under each one of these. And the way we did this is we took the first word of every of the word growth, then we come up with a different. Uh, but and this was a, a, like I said yesterday about an eight month eight-month process of emails going back and forth trying to sort of frame all this. But the three overarching framework, and we're going to dive into these. The first one is to ground and center yourself to stabilize your nervous system. Those little uh, amp-up, amp-down skills, those simple ones uh, are, are examples of that. And all of the, fr- the framework that we're focused on are simple things we think anyone can learn and that most people can teach to others, without having an advanced degree in psychology or or mindfulness training or anything else. So we want these skills to get out all over the world. Um, And then to remember your personal strengths, your capacity to deal with adversity and stress and suffering, um, uh, the internal and external resources you have to do that, as well as... Your social support network, and we're going to get right into that because it is so critical. We've been talking about that. And for many people where that might not be very robust, how to help people expand that, e- either strengthen it or expand it so they actually have one. Certainly the the greatest impacts we see uh, uh, so far on climate change happen to people that are isolated, for example. They don't have a social support network. They're the most vulnerable population, et cetera. And then third, if those two steps have not already helped you uh, deactivate and regulate your nervous system and, and bring you back within your resilient growth zone, look at the way you're thinking about things. So observe uh, uh, the, your, your thought process. Are you thinking about way, things in ways that keep you activated? We call them thinking distortions. So we're going to go through all three steps today, uh, if that uh, makes sense to you. And then uh, tomorrow we'll uh, we'll focus in on purposing. Um So the first thing I'd like you to, to do, we'll do what what's called resourcing. Um, and this is, a, again, one of the, the very first uh, skills. And we did a little, I guess that was Friday night we did it, we haven't done it in here. But I think you've done it a little bit already over the last day. But I'd like you to bring to mind uh, uh, something or somebody, something you do, or somebody you reach out to, that helps you calm yourself, feel better, feel cared for and loved when you're a little dysregulated, when you're feeling stress. Just sort of bring that to mind. And then if you're willing... Let's just turn to a partner. Just, one, just do this in dyads. Just share that, uh, those, the resource that you can think of that helps you calm yourself, that helps calm you. The people or the experiences, something you can do. And the, your partner's job is to just start to ask more, for more detail about that that, that you've just shared. So it might be, for me, again, it's uh, uh, being with my uh, cats, you know. Uh, And so tell me about your cats. How many cats do you have? What are they like? What are the colors? So just sort of start asking for more detail about whatever this person shares about the resources they have. Okay? So let's just find a partner. So uh, (laughs) does anybody like to share what that was like when you first identified the resources before you talked with somebody else, um, when you first thought about people or experiences or things that you brought to mind that help you calm yourself, feel more self-compassion or love? What was that like? Anybody want to share? Is anybody able to do it? Go ahead, right over here. Oh, go, go right there, and then we'll go over.
8: Yeah, when I started thinking about uh, some of my friends that I confide with, um, It was very warming. I felt very warm, very warm-hearted, and and uh, sending out good thoughts to them.
3: Great, thank you. It's Over here. Mm,
4: let's see. Um, the way I'm dealing with it now is um, I isolate, and there has been a lot of judgment around the isolation. But as I drop into that isolation and that that place of really being present with myself and you know, dropping into the struggle and releasing that I'm just learning so much. And um, I'm also forgiving myself for isolating and thinking that I'm antisocial and that it's wrong mm-hmm. because I've done that so much of my life. That I see also the adverse effect of being so afraid of being antisocial that I become, you know, a type A, triple A personality. And so I'm discovering now this balance between being an extrovert and an introvert Mm -hmm. and how the two um, complement and work with each other when you allow them to be what they are, Mm -hmm. when you're coming from honesty, you know.
0: And maybe the word isolating. Is uh, is not uh, is not as accurate as just uh, coming back to yourself. Right. So there's again, a depression component yeah. I more go into Here, the, give her give her these. Yeah.
4: There's a depression component for mm-hmm. me, and mm-hmm. I fall into that low mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. and that's been a pattern all my yeah. life. You know? So
0: at at the same so. action, sometimes. Is not so helpful, and sometimes it can be very skillful. Just, right. And but how you hold? Oh, I'm somebody who isolates. Is it, it doesn't right. acknowledge the times where? Oh, I'm taking care of myself. Right. You know, bef- other than when you go down. The-
4: well, and it's also by allowing myself to isolate. It's been allowing me to really become up against the depression. Mm. And really be able to f- to feel it and own it, mm-hmm. and know that it's not true, it's not reality. Mm. And so, what is the dynamic there? Mm. You know, and that's been very helpful too.
3: Thank you, <laughs> Nan. Nan.
10: <laughs> this was a tough one for me because over the last couple of years. I've really come to a consciousness around a lot of the people that I thought were resources mm-hmm. were not. Mm-hmm. And I have... So I've allowed those relationships to shift and I've stopped relying on them. And even an example is last night. I had a difficult night last night, a lot of activation, a lot of dreams. And on my way home, I thought, I'm going to stop by my neighbors. And and then I was like, that's not a resource. That's not a happy scene there. Don't, don't do that. But I haven't rebuilt... Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of my own container a little bit. I also moved from the east coast to the west coast in the midst of this, which is part of it. But so, yeah. I mm-hmm.
3: So <laughs> other than that, what's new? You and know, I, I thought it would all
10: be fine. You know, no problem. But so, so the consciousness is more around where I'm not going anymore, um, mm-hmm. and with an enormous amount of you know loneliness, depression, and um, kind of in, chosen or or. Enforced isolation, but so for me the insight is I'm not going to the old places. I still feel lost because I don't have new resourcing mm-hmm. really, but that in itself is somewhat of a resource that I had the consciousness last night to say, don't, don't go mm-hmm. see your neighbors; they'll be fighting, mm-hmm. and don't do it. Thank
0: you. It's in in uh, in in Buddhist uh, in the Buddhist teaching, uh, wise effort includes. Guarding against unwholesome states, which is a very important thing. Okay, not going where it's not going to be supportive, and then the other part is and being around like-minded friends or being around supportive what will support you. So you you've got the first half, and and now you're developing uh, the, the other part.
3: Nan, would you allow me to go a little further with sure. you? Is that okay? Yeah. Could you? think about uh, experiences you've had in the past that brought warmth and fe- feel some feelings of kindness and relaxation or calm to yourself. Uh, something that uh, maybe it was a pet uh, or a family member or something you, is there anything that comes up that not necessarily right this second, but it might just be a memory? Anything you're willing to share?
10: That's so what comes up, was the joy of raising my stepson and having a house full of boys and cooking for them and letting them take over the whole downstairs. Um, when I think of that time, I do feel warm and um, happy and whole, and it's a very happy memory.
3: You said stepson's? Can you tell, tell me a little bit more? you have two? or what? How did that... Tell me about, about yeah, that. Yeah,
10: that's not at such a... You know, 19, not at such a good place right now either. So, I, I mean, that's a happy memory. We, and I do have um, a friend on the East Coast who's sort of walking through a parallel path in life change and rebuilding and changing the meaning around a lot of things. So we talk on the phone you know, several times a week, but just in the presencing of my day-to-day community hasn't arisen for me, or I haven't mm-hmm. been able to manifest it, um, but I long for it.
3: Mm-hmm. But that when you have those phone calls, you feel better. It's sort of it's something that's positive for you.
10: Yeah. So an example is I will have a tough day, and if I make the effort to connect with someone before I go to sleep, I'll have a better night,
3: mm-hmm. a better night's rest. Mm-hmm. So, so this this technique we're talking about, this little skill, is called resourcing, and it's just trying to help people find those one or two things because, especially when they're in the midst of distress, it's very similar to what you Often there's things we can't find, the situation we're in. Uh, just creates more stress for us or trauma. But helping people sort of go back and dig out and say, oh, yeah, I, here's something that does help. And just to br- help people bring that to mind is, is really what we're focused on. And and sometimes there isn't anything like that within somebody, in which case, you know, identify that and say, that's fine. And you might want to think about uh, other ways to approach it. But helping people sort of just try to think through and surface those things that bring calm, that bring a sense of self-compassion, care, can be very helpful.
10: I would just say that um, we talk about what what do events mean. So initially these events meant abandonment to me.
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
10: And then as I sat with them more and more and sit here more and more, I I have a lot of insight in these rooms. I come to see that I'm awakening from a delusion and choosing not to continue to go where I can't be met. And there is comfort in that. So right. it's lonely, but there's also a, a certain awareness that I'm on the right path. Um, and then I ask for faith and courage.
3: But thank yourself. Thank yourself for all the wonderful work you're doing. Yeah. Thank you.
12: Thank you for sharing.
3: Any other comments? No, um, put there and then back there.
12: Well, you're asking us to think of people and I, as an option, and I immediately think of my mom or my best friend um, who have infinite patience and listening and my husband who has, who's amazing when he's in the right space because the patience is not there and I don't think men enjoy hearing the same story over and over again like my best friend and my mother will. <laughs> Once is good for him. Then it's time to move on. Any other males relate to that? But what I'm finding, um, rec- like in more recent times, is that I, instead of picking up the phone and making the time to call them, I get busy. I get busy with my to-do list. I'm a taskmaster, and I operate in the high zone way too much. That's where I've been living my life, and. I don't go to the low zone very often. And where I need to be going, where I've been telling myself and judging myself for not going, is within to meditation and to, you know, spirit. And um, is that in here? I'm assuming it is a resource, right? I mean, you were Mm -hmm. asking us to think of a person, kind of a friend, but that's where I need to train myself to go to stay in that. You know, growth zone is, you know, stop, pause, breathe, bite my tongue, you know, think before <laughs> I speak with my kids and um, and uh, have that be my primary resource. And that's where I really, really, really struggle is, okay. you know, I always own up and apologize, you know, some mommy... You know, got impatient and frustrated. I'm really sorry. That wasn't a good choice. You know, you know, and I'll you know be real about it. But it's not doing it in the first place. You know, Mm -hmm. they're infinitely forgiving now. But it's like that. What that's what I want to get out of the next two days is is leaving the space. And oh, that's what I thought of before you even asked this. When I got here this morning, I was like, I want. I haven't walked the grounds really much at all yet, and finding a space where I can bring back into my mind's eye whether it's one of the little benches on the other side of the bridges in the stream or next to all those Buddhas and just bring that back, visualize it and close my eyes in that moment, bite my tongue and just be someplace (laughs) here because I haven't been able to get away from my children and be in a space like this in many years. Mm
3: -hmm. Thank you, thank you very much. And uh, I want to just ask one other question in case anybody else wants to respond. Did, did anybody sense a change when somebody started to ask you more about your resource? And if anybody's willing to share about that, what was that like? So go ahead.
13: Um, I think something I realized was that as like she was asking me more questions, that I have different people I go to for different like stresses that I'm feeling. Okay, yeah, sorry. So like different stresses that I'm feeling, I'll go to different people. Depending on what I'm feeling, but sometimes I'm always afraid of like feeling like a burden of like burdening people Mm. with my problems. So I'll just try to deal with them on my own, but then I also can't deal with it on my own, so I'm just there, like kind of paralyzed. Um, So I think I've always felt like I just need to sit down and figure out, like, okay. Like I need to f- create that space for myself to just sit down and think like, okay, wh- who should I go to? what should I say instead of just freaking out and like getting overwhelmed with whatever I'm dealing with so that was All right,
3: thank you mm-hmm. C- can I ask a question mm-hmm. um, ha- are those have you actually checked out and asked people how they feel when you talk or is that an assumption you're making about how they'll respond?
13: Um I think it's a bit of both i Maybe it's like a perceived, but I could also, yeah, I can, I can perceive things that aren't there a lot. So even if people assure me like, oh, it's totally fine. Like, I don't mind. I want to be here for you. I'll still be like, no, like, <laughs> I need to stop being annoying. Or, um, hmm. so I think it's definitely gotten better over time, but it's still something I need to be more open about with other people and like with myself. So
0: let me, let me ask you when, your friends are going through a hard time and they they say, Hey, this is what's going on and you're there for them. How do you feel about about them sharing?
13: Oh well I really like to be there for people, I think. Mm. Just yeah. So so. Hmm.
0: <laughs> so it's not like they're annoying. <laughs> no. You
13: know. That's
0: uh. interesting. And when you're and when they're yeah. So and you really like to be there for people and, and in some way it sounds like you're it, it brings you some uh, some joy or some uh some positive quality to really be there for for others
13: Is well that so?
0: up to a point
13: i think i've always felt like i have more patience for others than i have for myself so like if, even if i'm talking about my own problems with someone i'll often be t- i become tired of myself sort of mm. I'll be like oh my gosh i am so whiny mm-hmm. and i'll just and then i'll just kind of stop and i'll be like okay i'm good now
3: well
0: something that you might consider is if others if there might be in your uh, among your friends somebody kind of like you who likes being there for other people in a way you are um, you're depriving them of really showing up for you in assuming that you're just annoying them when you you know what it's like how good it, it is to really show up for somebody so it might be a, an assumption that, uh, you might you might question. Uh, I mean, certainly there are limits, mm-hmm. but if it's if somebody's being real and saying, "Hey, this is what's really going on," it's like, "Oh, wow! They're they're really showing themselves to me." What it's it's it can be an honor and it can be a a real connecting. Oh, somebody's being real, so uh, you
3: know, don't don't sell that short. Thank you. I'm just going to take one or two more. That one back there, and then one here.
11: Um, well, the the way the question was initially posed, I didn't think of this, but when people were sharing, um, it made me realize how much I depend on poetry as a resource for those sorts of things. Good, um, good. And there's there's a couple poems in particular that I find really helpful, just to kind of get back to the present moment. Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Thank you.
1: There's one more comment here.
14: I just found it amazing what it did in the actual moment. So it was just a remembering, or a, but it had the same effect immediately. And the nice thing was, at least that was what I observed. It was not an effect just for me, but for the person who listened as well. So And the other way around, I would say the same, and that was a really nice experience, even if that was just a couple of minutes.
3: Great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. This is a. a, a, Do you want to
0: say? I was going to uh, say that um, again. Just seeing how the mind works, we can tune into any reality, and often we're stuck on a a channel that is um, that can contract us or agitate us, and all it takes is inclining your mind towards remembering something or connecting with something that it's like you're tuning into another channel. And as soon as the mind tunes into another channel of, oh, this makes me happy, or this, oh, I remember this moment. You know, you hear a song on the radio, you might be having a bummer of a day, and all of a sudden you remember a song from your high school that you loved. And it's like, oh, yeah, there I am again. And how easily the mind can just tune into a different channel, and affect your whole system.
3: Right. It's just one thought away. And we, call the, we call this uh, resourcing, uh, but it's a simple skill you can learn for yourself and also for others. So if you see someone else in distress or that seems wigged out, you might just start to ask them, uh, boy, you know, what is it that, make, that, con- that you really like that relaxes you, that calms you? Just find out. And if they're, they're not willing to respond to that, that's fine. Don't do that. But it's just a skill that's very simple that we can do, knowing that you're not trying to tell them anything. You're simply trying to elicit from them uh, images in their minds, uh, th- experiences that they've had that, that bring up those sense of warmth, the sense of relaxation, the sense of calmness, the sense of joy. Uh, and try that with your family, with your kids. Go that go and try that with work at, at work with your work colleagues. It's a really powerful little simple skill. Uh, we're going to get more into that at, at, in, in a few minutes um, because we are going to talk about our spiritual beliefs and how do I mm. cl- clarify that in religious. but one, one last question and I want to want to take a break too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So it's here.
2: the bottom line of getting our bodies in a somatic experience of do. parasympathetic? Okay.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. The breath. Okay. Yeah. So I want to do one thing. I think there's a couple of people here that were not here yesterday. Is that true? Is anybody not here yesterday? No? Apparently not. Oh. Okay.
0: So Seems like there's more of you. Yeah. You're, 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 just you're becoming more such... and more here.
3: <laughs> more presence today. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. we're just... Um, does it make sense now then to take a short break? People need a break? Yeah, yeah. so let's uh, come back. at ten quarter minutes. after.
5: Quarter yeah. it's, uh,
3: I've Five got after. at least... Uh, ten about, minutes from now. Yeah, ten minutes. Why don't we uh, gather, is anybody outside we can, or the doors we can ask? Okay. Um, I've had a couple of questions about where some of this material is at. You can get it in this book, Transformational Resilience. I was just told that somebody got the last one on Amazon and also at Me to Wee. It was on. They're both sold out on Amazon, um, but uh, I will tell my publisher about that. But uh, you can get them directly from the publisher, Greenleaf Publishing, and on most of the other web. Uh, and and there's a lot of material. Most of these skills are on our website, uh, which is the theresourceinnovationgroup.org. Uh, go to uh, transformational resilience. So, um, uh, can you get it online. I can't, can yes. There's do. an ebook, uh, both from Me to We and uh, Transformation Resilience, and actually other books are all uh, electronic books from the publisher. I don't know, maybe Amazon sells them too, uh, but um, uh, so it's in case you wanted. I was, I was On what? Half dot com. Never heard of it, but that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, this one is being translated now into three different languages. So, um, uh, because of the groups we're working with, so I have no idea how they're going to do that, given the way I write. But <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be in uh, German and uh, actually Chinese, um, interestingly. So, go ahead see your website. at theresourceinnovationgroup.org. Just look that up, and then look for. I, we have not done that yet, um, and uh, it's a good idea. Thank you for bringing that up again. Other people have asked for that, and yeah, uh, that's well. That's what's mostly on our website—the PDFs of different things. So, um, but yeah, it takes a long time to do the audios. You have to sit in the studio, and uh, and I, it's just hard to find the time to to do that. But. Uh, yeah. Well, can, if anybody of you would like to <laughs> go do it, <laughs> please, yeah, with the, yeah we have, please have at it. Uh, and we have no, you know, at least in terms of the work we're doing, please use anything and everything. Uh, we're just trying to grow a national, international movement uh, to build widespread levels of personal and psychosocial spiritual resilience. With that sort of, so it doesn't matter. We don't need credit. Use it any way you want. Uh, Everything we have has been developed by others anyway. You know, we've just created a framework, so please uh, start using this material. Um, So before we uh, get into the next skill, I want to do a short thing. I'd like you all to count backwards, if you could, uh, from 20 to 1, just in your own mind. Just count backwards from 20 down to zero.
1: do that notice your breathing
3: what happens in your body when you're anybody actually make it to 0 mm-hmm. <laughs> good good anybody have any reaction what, what anything pop up anything emerge what happened in your body when you were just trying to count backwards calming mm-hmm. anybody else I didn't do? Breathe. what's that I didn't breathe at all. you didn't breathe at all you held your breath that's <laughs> interesting okay right
1: i've always used that technique
3: and uh this can be very helpful to calm yourself and it's even more helpful in fact i forgot to do it when we were going to act, to do it when you're walking to ask people to walk and count backwards with their eyes open <laughs> so so you can see where you're going but it can it can be very calming but you but then notice whether whether it's affecting your body or not or what effect it might be having so that uh, if you're holding your breath, you might notice that you might release it. But it's just another simple, what we call, amp up, amp down, it can help you either calm yourself or ing- get your motivate your body moving again uh, if if you're really too too down. Go ahead. So, uh, where- I- this
11: is uh, particularly telling for me because I just raced right through them, and I find. Calming, annoying (laughs) at some level. I'm. This is my truth-telling. I'm. I feel like I'm a doer, and and doing is just uh, has been so much a part of who I am that. What's the point in going backwards? You know, twenty to one. Let's just get it done, right? (laughs) It's it's like, you know.
3: So, what a hooey! Yeah,
11: so uh, there is this really loud cynic. I, I, even just being here at Spirit Rock, I just have to own. Is like, I it's big and it's loud and it hasn't shut up the whole time. So I just wanted you to know that it's really noisy in here.
0: <laughs> and,
11: and it's like not happy with all of you calm people.
0: <laughs> so how, how does that feel?
11: How does it feel? Well, I'm rather humored by it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, seriously, I mean, and if right uh, uh, I don't know that I have a feeling attached to it because I spend more time up here, um, so I need to maybe figure that out a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Are there any times that you uh, that you find yourself enjoying rest?
11: I have a yoga practice, so I, which it feels very, very good to me. But it's like I compartmentalize mon- mm-hmm. when I'm going to do that restorative stuff, and the rest of the time I'm bombs away.
0: Mm. And that that works for you.
11: <laughs> it, it appears to sort of. I mean, I, 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 I,
3: sort of. I think it mostly. <laughs> Did I hear sort of in there? I,
11: well, I think it mostly does, because when I was thinking about where I am on the, you know, growth prevention cycle there, or whatever you called it,
14: I, <laughs> <laughs>
11: <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, sorry,
14: uh,
11: I seem to be mostly in the middle.
3: Well, I think that's really important. That the fact that you might be going fast all the time and not wanting to relax, you still might be within your resilient growth zone if you can make that's wise <laughs> and skillful. I knew that's what you meant. Um, wise and skillful decisions, and aren't doing things that actually uh, come back and haunt you in some way, then you're just fine. Uh, and just notice that you're doing that to the extent that you can, and when you're ready, you know, find ways to. Calm yourself a bit if that helps, and if that makes sense, and if it's comfortable to you. So it's not that oh, I'm going fast, so I must be, you know, outside of my resilient growth. Everybody's is different. It's the sort of the natural pattern of your nervous system, uh, and but just be aware of what's happening. And by the way, does anybody else go really fast often here? Yeah. So this is a natural human experience, right? Nothing wrong with us. Nothing wrong with you. Any other thoughts? Well, let's go uh, try another skill now, and we're going to get deeper into some of the things we were asked about a second. And we'll, let's try what we call tracking. Uh, and we've done a little bit of that with our uh, meditation so far, um, but what we're now going to do is try to track the physical sensations in your body. Uh, so if you would, um, to start off, again, all of these skills can be used once you learn them in any situation, almost instantaneously, and you can do them in 20 seconds, 30 seconds, but we're going to do it for a little longer now. Um, Is this we're, go- we're doing track... Yes, yeah, it's, it's all part of ground. Ground yourself to, to stabilize your nervous system. We haven't moved on yet, okay? Uh, and so if you would, just sort of find a comfortable position, sort of sit in a relaxed yet uh, dignified position, and uh, you can leave your eyes open, you can close your eyes... Uh, It's up to you. Uh, And just uh, begin by just sort of following your breath and watching yourself breathing very gently. Do gentle breaths. There's no right or wrong way to breathe. Just watch yourself breathing for a few seconds. If you're willing, just begin to scan your body, and you can start anywhere. And just try to... Look for areas in your body where you feel pleasant sensations, pleasant tingling, nice warmth, whatever it might feel pleasant. Or neutral sensations, you just don't feel much there, doesn't feel good or bad. Or unpleasant sensations. It might be scan your entire body just gently without trying to change anything, without any judgments about anything. Just see if you can identify and notice pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral sensations. Unpleasant sensations.
1: Deliberately shift your attention to sensations, in your body. physical sensations in your body. To the unpleasant sensations,
3: which is very natural. I invite you, if you're willing, to deliberately place your attention, move your attention to a pleasant, neutral sensation, and then just go gently back and forth between the pleasant and unpleasant sensation, just gently touching the unpleasant sensation, just for a brief What I invite you to do now is just, in triads, just share... Find a triad, three, three people, two other people you know. It might be a Uh And share what that was like for you. Just, ex- just share what came up, what happened, what did you experience? Just share that. Yeah. So would anybody uh, like to share anything that came up in the exercise itself? We're tracking our physical sensations that we call tracking. Or in your discussions, what was that
14: like? Over
3: here. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Hang on, Ray.
14: I have a headache, so I started removing myself from my head, and I went to my stomach. And I never think about my stomach; it's always been good to me. I've never been—it's never been ill. <laughs> it's always served me well. And I started seeing all this light. Uh, feeling all this light in in the area of my stomach light light Light. in my stomach and uh, the headache went away it's back now
0: (laughs) (laughs) go back to your stomach
14: (laughs) but it went away and it was very calming and it was just I felt very um, at peace and relaxed
3: thank you, thank you for sharing that anyone else like to share anything Anybody else experience something like we just heard where you found yourself th- th- a pain or a tension dissipating in some way, going away? Back in the back corner there. We can keep talking while we do our emergency plumbing here. So,
14: so in that part of moving back and forth... Somehow I got into some kind of, I don't know, rhythm with that, and I felt
10: a, a sort
14: of sense of like calm and going
10: deeper, and everything sort of evening out, so there was no
3: like high or low. Um. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. That's a very common experience when we when we do that. What's happened when we? What do you? What do you imagine's going on within you when you feel the unpleasant sensations? What are they about? Tension, pain, tightening up. Uh, Anything else? Cold. 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 But when you notice them and get caught in them, what's likely happening? Your attention gets caught and uh, your focus gets it gets, worse. gets worse. What's going on? You're activating your system is trying to protect itself. The same issue. You're contracting to try to protect. Your body's trying to do that, uh, often again unconsciously. Uh, so by shifting to pleasant or neutral sensations, you're actually activating the parasympathetic nervous system. You're countering that. Um, and by going back and forth, uh, you can just sort of gently touch it rather than uh, but it, let me say it differently. if you try purposely to relax the pain, <laughs> relax that tension as we often think we're supposed to do, what is likely to happen so Yeah, it makes it worse often, not all of the time, but it, you know. But I have
4: a question, though, oh. Oh. would it cause
3: more in some people, and again we're not talking about breathing and we're just sensing the sensations. Okay. Um, even from a breathing perspective, I my personal reaction would be not breathe into the pain, breathe into the area around it. Um, sort of give it space. Uh, just be there with it. Um, so again, you're not trying to change anything per se. You're not trying to, uh, to judge it, play it. You're just trying to notice what's there and just uh, try to Activate part of the body or touch part of your body that's feeling, but more pleasant. And uh, many times, not all the time, uh, you'll find a a change.
0: Also, you know, you can breathe in. uh, You can breathe into a place, into an area. Um. I think the difference is if you do it with an agenda and you're frustrated and trying to relax, Mm -hmm. it's different than breathing into it with love Mm -hmm. you're just sending love without an agenda just allowing for it to be how it is and uh, just like you'd be holding a a child having a meltdown you know you you want to just give it love and support you can consciously bring that uh that attitude to that area we respond, just one, 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 one point, we, the, the mind responds um, a lot, uh, a lot more to an invitation than a command.
10: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, I'm, I'm thinking of, of
8: a response where you stop breathing, you have a pain that just, a new pain that just came up, somebody kicked you or something. And uh, you stop breathing, so you want to breathe again. But now we're saying to breathe into another area of the body. Is that correct?
3: Well, what we've been talking about is actually going into your into your body and sensing the sensations, rather than focusing on your breath on a part of your body. Um, This particular exercise, but um, uh, I think you can uh, try to just notice your breathing, notice that you're holding your breath, and just sort of let whatever happens then flow naturally. Uh, I think that if you're if you're in that kind of experience, when somebody I, I used to do a lot of sports injury work. Um, when somebody, because I'm, I'm an old, slow, bad basketball player, and so they've had many of these kind of injuries, but, so I got into this. But what we found is that when somebody injures themselves, the first thing you want to have them do is just not focus on the injured area, but just gently breathe uh, and help them sort of t- take long, slow, deep breaths. And it just slows the body down, which sort of slows that metabolism down of, of racing to sort of protect that area. Uh, And if you see sports medicine people do it, they do that often. They say, first, you know, you have to treat it eventually. But let's just calm the body by trying to open up the the breathing in a natural way, but sort of long, slow, deep breaths. Thank you. One last comment.
8: Uh, Sometimes I think um, that we have, I've heard the expression pain body. I'm not sure... Eckhart Pardon?
0: Eckhart Oh,
8: well, I'm not sure what he's referring to. But I feel like there's a certain um, topography of pain that moves around the body and sort of to one place at a time. Really, it's not the pain in the body. It's one's attention that moves around, and it's never not anywhere. My mother used to say, if it's not one damn thing, it's another. <laughs> but... Um, it, and I precisely choose not to, to frame it that way. That is to say, a damn thing. I choose to say, if it's not one gift, it's another. But what happened is, for example, recently I developed tendonitis in my ankle. So there was some pain there. So I was dealing with that pain, and I was trying to just say to myself, okay, uh, I've dealt with it, now I'm just not going to think about it. Now I'm just going to think about every other part of my body that's not hurting, which is something I learned from my father about mental states, too. If there's one thing that's concerning you, address it practically and then stop thinking about it and start affirming everything else that's normal. And then I went to uh, try to uh, develop my upper body because my lower body was not going to be able to be moved much because of the ankle. And I started doing exercises and managed to strain my back. Well, I solved the problem with my ankle. I don't feel it anymore. Mm. I only feel my back. Mm. So, but it is a matter of attention, isn't it? It's also a matter of learning. I'm discovering over the last years that if I underdramatize to myself the pain, if when I move around I don't go, Oh, God! if I just sort of don't even verbalize it, I don't repress it, I just Mm -hmm. don't accentuate it. Mm -hmm. If I just let myself move through it Mm -hmm. and silently move on, then it's like you've spilled milk and you don't say, oh, what have I done? You just clean it up.
0: This is in, in, uh, there's two teachings in the Buddha that you're pointing to. One There's one discourse where the Buddha has five different methods for dealing with Disturbing or distracting thoughts, and one of them is called forgetfulness and inattention, where you don't pay, you don't give attention either it's to a part in your body or to a particular uh, theme in your mind. You just pay attention to someplace else. This is exactly what the resourcing is, and this is in uh, this is the Buddhist suggestion too. He didn't say you you're always supposed to pay attention to what's most predominant. No, the mind can get fatigued and disturbed and agitated, and so sometimes it can be most skillful to turn your attention elsewhere. And then the second one, when you say, oh, there I am again, that's called adding the second dart on top of the first, where there's some pain or some emotional uh, reaction, and then there's the judgment on top of it. That's adding the second dart or the second arrow. And sometimes we can add a whole quiver of arrows. Uh, whereas it's just, oh, this is what's this is what's here. You're you're not in, in exacerbating the whole situation.
3: So what we just did was uh, called tracking. Uh, and uh, you know, if you want to, uh, if you're ever having a hard time go to, going to sleep. Uh, often because our minds are racing, go into your body and just try to track your sensations. Uh, If you're in your office and you're all ramped up or at home and ramped up, take a moment and go into your body and just try to track your sensations um, and see what happens. (coughs) Just allow whatever is there to be there. You might go back and forth between tension, pain, any other unpleasant sensation, but it's a very powerful way to regulate and calm the nervous system. That's what this skill is. And let's do one more uh, before we break for lunch. And this this one I'm going to have you do, and then I'm going to actually have you uh, teach it uh, to, to somebody else. It's called grounding. And it's somewhat similar to what we just did. But if you would, just, uh, again, sit in a very comfortable, relaxed position. You can sit with your eyes open, your eyes closed. Just take a few gentle... Deep breaths and watch yourself breathing for a few moments. Watch as your lungs and your abdomen expand as the air enters your body. And as your lungs and your abdomen if you're willing, just try to place your attention deliberately and purposely on areas of your body that are being supported by something solid and just feel what that's like where you're being supported.
1: Where you're sitting on the back of the chair.
3: Feel where you're being supported by something solid. And feel all of the sensations in your body where it is is touching and being supported by something solid. And just sort of feel those. Sense what that's like. Into the earth. All around you and expanding hundreds of yards, just like tree roots. Expanding. All around you, holding you up in a very. Roots grow out. Imagine a big wind coming, something affecting you, hitting you, and swaying back and forth, but just imagine those roots holding you solid. You, again, you allow yourself to sway is coming your
1: way wherever you are the roots that are out there all around you supporting you Whenever it feels like to call on those roots
3: Anybody like to share something, anything that came up in particular for anybody in this exercise? This is called grounding. We did grounding first, and then we did grounding like a tree as a follow-up to that. Any reactions, any thoughts, any comments?
5: I had a really strong image of the roots going out and meeting up with other people's roots, and the roots kind of intertwining and... I had a similar experience when I was in a retreat and I was listening to a guided meditation about breathing, and I didn't feel the connection until I thought about the air Mm. and that it wasn't about me breathing. It was the air that was being shared. Thank you. What
3: was it like grounding for people? What was it like feeling areas that were supported by something solid? Oh, go ahead uh, right.
6: just felt supportive
3: this one. okay great. Thank you
9: um, Yeah, I just felt this like sense of confidence and strength um, and kind of this ability to like be connected with my authentic self and not really be wavered. So mm-hmm. it was really nice for me to just feel, Kind of that inner strength and confidence.
3: Thanks. Feel anything different in your body when you, when you experience that?
9: I guess I felt like strong, um, almost tense, but not in like a bad way. But just like, mm-hmm. yeah, just strong and like okay. stable. Really
3: okay. stable. Okay, thank yeah. you. We have one other comment I'm somewhere over here.
4: I kind of had a strange um, I felt some pain. You know, I mean, the pressure on the back of my legs from the chair was not comfortable, was not grounding. It was. Um, you know, it was irritating until I allowed myself to just sink into my mm-hmm. feet, mm-hmm. and it was my feet that really gave me the grounding and the rootedness and the
3: right. you know. So that's something to note, mm-hmm. uh, to remember that to sort of go go into my feet, maybe you mm-hmm. know, to think about that when you when you need that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I also
14: felt
4: my posture kind of changed, and then there was the judgment around the posture mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you.
3: Well, um, okay, one last. Go ahead. Connie. Right. Um So I
4: kind of at first liked the rooting, but then I started to, I would say, worry about being able to move. And I felt <clears throat> like I was frozen or stuck or how could I have something that was more grounded, but Dynamic, and I, I didn't quite figure that out.
3: Thank you. So that the roots were too too stable and didn't move, and uh, yeah, that's an interesting uh, experience. I, uh, the key is, I think, to to just remember uh, and use this kind of skill when it's helpful, when it seems like it might be appropriate, when there's appropriate place, uh, and you might uh, shift your your form of rooting, you know, to something that's more mobile for you. Um, but this, is a, uh, this skill is, uh, again, grounding, and grounding like a tree is another way to stabilize the nervous system, uh, regulate it and stabilize it when you or others are uh, distressed. When we work in disaster management situations, this is one of the skills. We start with either resourcing or grounding um, uh, when people are really dysregulated not with breath-based meditation and not with tracking, not the sensations uh, because they often elicit things, bring things up. First we want to help people just calm themselves. Then we might move to tracking to help uh, people within that. But it's it's just, uh, there, and the, the point though is that there's a suite of skills and there's others that you can use for the same kind of experience. Um, and you sort of you play that by ear. What works for you in the different situations in the appropriate way and certainly what works for others some people just grounding like a tree and grounding just does just i don't relate to that doesn't you know it makes my back hurt and others it helps so just uh, note uh, all of those uh, options um, are available but what you're trying to do is help people go inside uh, and and calm uh, regulate and calm the nervous system so that the uh, a parasympathetic nervous system becomes activated. Let's try teaching grounding. Uh, and if you have, if you want to, grounding like a tree. Uh, just one time before lunch, we're going to do this like we did yesterday in threesomes. Somebody volunteer to be the teacher, somebody volunteer to be the student, and somebody to be the observer. Uh, and we're just going to have you teach it in whatever way, in every <laughs> words uh, frame that you would like. Uh, that, that seems natural. Uh, and you, if you don't feel comfortable going to grounding like a tree, that's fine. Just do grounding. Uh, but again, you're just trying to help people go into their body, feel supported, and feel the physical sensations so they're getting out, out of their head, out of their thoughts, uh, into their sensations, um, and then uh, see what happens. Okay, so let's uh, just spend, uh, I'm just going to spend about 10 minutes on this. So. Any uh, reactions, thoughts, comments, things that popped up that anybody would like to share? Some head shaking. Would you like to share something? To share? Okay. <laughs> the army method. You're volunteering. <laughs>
14: You're volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. um,
9: It was really great experience for me. Um, I was the teacher and um, initially I was definitely like talking too fast and I like recognized it. That I wasn't connecting with my student Tom, and um, once I could kind of get like grounded in myself, then we were flowing much better together. Um, right. But it was it was it was definitely challenging realizing like I need to be kind of guiding this, but I know that I can't guide it without being grounded. Mm-hmm. And also, like, feeling this feeling. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Thank you very much. Oh, yes.
9: And um, I think, too, just, like, noticing um, the words that I was using are so important and minor changes. Um, I, I would do things slightly differently, but just, like, one or two words can make a really big difference in someone else's experience.
1: Right.
3: Yeah. Thank you. And did you want to say something?
10: Yeah, I think I learned something interesting from this. Yesterday I was um, holding back from teaching because I wasn't quite getting some of the concepts. And today I taught something that I embody. And in my embodying it, it was so easy to share it.
3: Great, thank you. And often when you're not sure about the concepts, one of the best ways to actually learn about them is to try to express it, to try to teach. Uh, it takes some, you know, sometimes you don't want to do it, but it's, it can be a very powerful ex- uh, experience in terms of trying to force it out of your mouth. And then you realize, oh, I'm not grounded, you know, etc. All those things come up. Um, so, uh, And what about anybody who was an observer? What, uh, any reactions, any thoughts you've, what you could share? Hang on a second, why don't you use the?
14: When Vanessa added the color, green and brown roots, it made it more vivid and more real for me. That was...
4: And I I also think the choice of words... And the speed in which we talk and the tonal quality of which we use is really impactful. Mm -hmm. I have a tendency to talk really fast and really loud. And in an exercise like this, that's, you know, not necessarily the best way to keep yourself grounded and also connect and harmonize with the other person, Mm -hmm. like um, you were, Carrie was saying.
3: Great. Great. Thank you. One last comment
1: then. What stood out most for me was
0: um, Nan's ability to ground herself at the same time as she was to, um, teaching, but this regulate the speed by what the person learning was doing. So it really, I could see them connect as they were going through it. It was really nice.
3: Right. And you pointed that out to them. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. That's that's a very helpful. Thank. Well, grounding again is another uh, skill tool you can use to uh, help people, help yourself first, regulate your nervous system, calm your mind and body, or help somebody else. And James and I were just talking about this, so we uh, wanted to share this experience. We, uh, my my group uh, was asked to go to the Gulfport, to Gulfport, Mississippi, to work with uh, people of color there. We were working to the NAACP. Uh, and when we first talked, we always do a, a sort of a focus group first. W- w- how can we help? What's going on? Et cetera. And everybody said, we're the most resilient population in the world, right? We've had 200 years of systemic racism. Um, then we had, you know, recently Hurricane Katrina and a, Katrina- a hurricane before that. Then the Gulf oil spill, et cetera. We're doing fine. Why don't you go and do, deal with those issues, Um, help with those rather than talk to us about resilience. And then what we finally discovered in talking through this is that people felt their words, hopeless and helpless. Um, That was, and so maybe we can offer something, you know, come in and talk about those experiences. And we uh, did, uh, it was a different kind of workshop, not this kind of thing, but they, many people really resonated with grounding. Uh, They felt they had no grounding. Um, because they were, oh, thank you, they were always being swept away. Things were always being taken from them, uh, or flooded, literally and otherwise. And the grounding experience was incredibly powerful for many of the people there. Uh, and they were so. That's how you use these kind of skills, and uh, not just among your, for yourself, but how you can share them with others, uh, help people find a way within their own uh, being their own way of being, to feel grounded, even when around them the actual experience is not very grounding. Um, So it was a very uh, interesting experience. And I'll say one more thing, and then I just want to read a poem, and we'll go have lunch. Um, Elaine Miller-Karris, who I talked about before, who runs the Trauma Resource Institute, and again, one of our core partners, She, as I said, she runs around the world and does these meets with groups that are uh, in the midst of or right after disasters, Uh, And she finds that, uh, again, that it's grounding first or resourcing that really makes the difference initially when people are really traumatized after a natural disaster. And she has pictures, you can go on her website, I think they're still there, Trauma Resource Institute in uh, Claremont, California, of uh, people who are just totally dysregulated and staring off into space after... Uh, Hurricane Hyena, which is their huge one that they had, uh, I think it's now three years ago, just totally shell shocked, and she had them started to ask them about resources. What may, what brings you calm? What brings? And initially they didn't respond. They just and, and then they'd say one small thing and share something else, and then she'd ask them to ground, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, ground like a tree, and you could because they, they videotaped it. They snap out of it completely. It's just an amazing thing to see how that can help stabilize the nervous system and bring you back in. So where the, and they say, okay, so what should I now be doing is the, what the woman started asking. How do I now address these problems? You know, wh- where are things? So it just brought her back into the present moment where she could start uh, using, making some wise and skillful decisions. So these can be very, very powerful skills. Y- it takes time to learn them. The best way to learn them besides practicing yourself is maybe try to teach it to somebody you know and, and ask for some volunteers. you might have to bribe them with a good dinner or some wine or beer or whatever um, uh and uh, and do some teaching experiences uh with people um, uh, and 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 or set up a time where you try to uh, uh, engage your neighborhood group uh, or some other uh, avocational group you're involved with uh, and let's learn some of these skills uh Imagine again everyone in the country are around having these kind of skills and figuring out what resonates with them, what would the impact be? So think about how to do that. So let me end with um, just one little poem and then we'll take a, a lunch. Oh, oh, do, that, uh, this is called, and many of you have, may have learned this, "Learning, Learn How to Fly. Uh, and it's by Anonymous. Uh, when you come to the edge to the edge of all the light you know and are about to step off into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing one of two things will happen: there is something solid to stand on, or you will be taught how to fly that 's really the case with our practice, I think you know we, we we, we just don't, we don't want to approach it. We, don't want, we want to dissociate. We want to push all this away, but we'll learn how to fly. We'll be able to do that. Well, let's uh, return in an hour at 1.30 uh, after lunch. Enjoy lunch.
8: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.